0: This is Contra Radio from Contra.scot.
1: Hello listeners, um, welcome to this special podcast, which myself, Sarah Bennett, also on the editorial board, Alice Kinghorn. I'm going to be talking about Palestine with an activist based in Palestine. But first of all, how are you, Alice?
0: Yeah, it's pretty harrowing, like everyone to watch, but it does feel like it's the very least we can do, right? Yeah. Um, going along to the protests and the demos here in in Edinburgh where me and Sarah are both based since they've started and it's been encouraging to see them grow week on week. You would hope and expect so, but it's still been encouraging in one sense. But yeah, I think it's getting to that point where you can see some impact from it. Obviously, Anna Sower's changed leader of the um, Scottish Labour Party, is now finally... Um, still unforgivable it's taken him this long um, shame on all of them to be honest um, I don't think we're going to forget um, we won't forget but uh, he has now come out and called for a ceasefire so it's you know there's some, some ramifications some effect but yeah, it's it still just isn't enough, is it? And Israel is obviously just intent. It's still got the backing, political cover of the US and and the UK and is going ahead with this, with genocide. It just feels like watching, well, it is just watching genocide play out. And I would
1: imagine there's a lot of activists feeling exactly like this and paralysed by the horror of it on the one hand, um, but on the other hand thinking... If I don't want this to get worse, I have to stay focused. I need to reset and think what I can do practically. And I think that's fine because we've got to be able to to act in these circumstances. And if you're not feeling sort of traumatized by it, then uh, something (laughs) perhaps not quite right. It's not quite touching you the way that it should. Because I I don't recall seeing scenes like this uh, in quite this intensity and it's relentless. And Netanyahu's just come out today day 23 since it began, um, saying this is not the time for ceasefire, this is a time for war. Very clear what that intention is, and therefore it feels even more important that those of us in the UK, I know it might seem like, well, if you, what's the UK going to do? I mean, even if Keir Starmer says he he wants a ceasefire, Netanyahu's not going to pay any you know, attention to what Keir's asking for, secure but it does break down the backing that Labour's giving to Sunak, who is greenlighting it, who is the Prime Minister, that does undermine perhaps that transatlantic relationship with Biden. And we have to think about it in those terms. I know we've got a piece up by Chris Bambury on the uh, Conta website about this, actually. So people mm. might want to go and read it in a bit more detail. So, yeah, it's really interesting. We, we talked to Raya and um, I think she's quite frank about the urgency and the scale of the catastrophe that is taking place. But there is there is stuff taking place, as we say, and we're in Scotland, it's a bit different. Hamza Yusuf obviously came out as the first leader in the UK to call for a ceasefire. His parents in laws are in Gaza, but people are being active. So we know on the one hand, um, the weekly protests are happening in lots of the main cities. Some organisations are starting to target, for example, defence co- uh, companies uh, in, mm-hmm. in, 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 in and around Scotland and elsewhere um and you can find out all about the kind of actions that are taking place probably by getting onto your local scottish uh, palestine solidarity campaign website but you said that they've been attacked um that their website's yeah, so been down
0: as of a- this moment, uh, which is Monday, thirtieth of October, um, they've just released a statement, an urgent statement, saying that they have their website has been attacked and it's down. Their Instagram is still working though. Um, I think it's it's kind of like a representative of a broader kind of um attack on uh freedom of speech, and it just ties into the the attack on any pro Palestinian kind of voice and you know the response to that is we have to make our response bigger but yeah i think hopefully it'll come back on but that is a good resource for for finding out all the different types of um actions that people can take a whole range of actions i think there's there's definitely a range a range of activities from Going directly to arms manufacturers, which there are quite a few in, in, in Scotland. In Scotland, um, yeah, I we have a yeah, fair amount. And also that, you know, the I was just reading that the government, even though we have um the SNP leadership uh, led by Hamza Youssef himself, you know, calling for ceasefire, and it's obviously very welcome. And he has first hand experience of, of this too. But um, like I think institutionally the Scottish government is not and Scottish Parliament is not clean of this because you know, Scottish Enterprise has f- historically funded the, the arms industry in Scotland, mm-hmm. you know, to a tune, I think, of £8 million. Right. And so there, there are those linkages as well that I think we need to, to keep keep mindful of, despite more positive rhetoric coming out of the SNP in quarters. But yeah, looking, I think, at the structural ties and support, which still exists for Israel, I think. uh, Yeah, those
1: might not be the most visible ties either. But a bit of digging and a bit of exposing is is really important to show that, you know, this is how our economy works, (laughs) to a certain extent up in Mm. Scotland. I think we were talking about the Greens, earlier as well weren't we that you might expect a sort of um, a bit more of a consistent message coming well, out
0: well, Credit to Maggie Chapman, credit to Maggie Chapman for sticking her head above the parapet on this because I don't think she's been supported by the rest of her party and I just think it just makes me sick to be honest
1: mm. Yeah it's sickening, it's shameful and it, it, as you've mentioned it's mm. coming back down to it's not only that the, the absolutely urgent need to give solidarity and to to get a ceasefire as quickly as we can to save, save lives, save Infrastructure, save Palestinian society. It's also about our right to protest here. It's about democracy. So we know that Labour councillors have uh, stepped back, haven't they, in both Glasgow and Edinburgh because they were basically told a blanket decision. They cannot talk about what's going on in Palestine. I mean, that's shocking. I mean, so they've, you know, started, and they, you know, some of those spoke in Edinburgh at the protest at the weekend. But we also know that they're going onto the university campuses. Uh, you know, shutting down probably student uh, societies. Uh, people are getting targeted who work at the university on sort of charges of anti-Semitism. We know that the person that uh, organised the Dundee protest on Saturday um has been arrested. Got arrested on Saturday morning. So we we have to be aware of this. That it's a wider. There are wider implications to this, and we have to fight back. And but the only way to do it, is we've got to build the numbers, and we've got to build our strength this is not the time to be getting put off by the sort of reaction that we can expect the state to take actually on this let's uh all, all of that all of that is very important and uh obviously by this podcast we hope that we'll encourage people to keep keep on keeping on with the struggle but without further ado um let's uh let's listen to, to raya on what she's got to say to us and all of our listeners
0: Raya thank you so much for joining us here um, this evening. Um, can we just kick off with telling us a bit about yourself, the work and research you're involved with and also what the current situation is on the ground um, since the 7th of October?
2: Hello hi um, thanks for having me this is Raya from uh, the south of Palestine from the Naqab. Um I work on kind of Broadly, the question of housing and financialization in Palestine 48 or what some listeners might know as or refer to as Israel and the question of kind of finance and how it intersects with race um, in a settler colonial context and uh, the Palestinian labor movement more broadly. So those are kind of my broad research interests and the situation in Palestine at the moment is catastrophic. One would one would say it is a unfolding genocide in Gaza um, that seems to be unabated. the 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 reality of the entanglement of the positionality of Israel in kind of global imperialism is becoming. As it's as clear as ever with kind of international governments and forces, not only uh, kind of giving Israel the green light to uh, carpet bomb Gaza with the intention of kind of uh, the declared mission of um, eliminating Hamas or creating a new Middle East or so on, but actually also Massively arming it to the teeth. Um, whereas Israel is always Israel's military industrial complex. is Always an international issue. It, Israel would have never had the military capacities that it does have without international complicity. And we can kind of come to that a bit later, if you if you wish. But it's it's very intense at the moment with U.S. with planes coming from the U.S. Fill full to the brink with arms, with the UK government actively sending lead, etc., etc. In Gaza, there's over eight thousand people killed. The capacity of brave superheroes of the medical medical sector workers to deliver care are, are almost none. People, there's reports of. Uh, doctors having to do amputation on kids and adults without any anesthesia uh, there's no electricity there's no fuel in a lot of the hospitals um medical centers and hospitals have been directly targeted uh, doctors um, today the Gaza Ministry of Health in a press conference noted that at least 116 medical sector workers have been killed uh, over 25 uh, ambulances have been shot and so they're out of service. And the only cancer treatment facility in Gaza has been bombed. The medical care for people in Gaza was already on the brink. The mass majority of people that needed serious health care were receiving it outside of Gaza. Gaza's medical institutions can't deliver. Uh, the kind of care that people need on a regular basis, let alone in these kind of in these kind of situations, there is no way to describe it. But an unfolding genocide that it seems I think people are feeling on the ground that there's no, no the the end is not clear what the end to this is. Israel has declared its intentions and the people are resisting with whatever means they can. Um, the, the voices that are coming out of Gaza are of anger, but also this voices of defiance, whereas Israel trying to kind of crush the spirit, people's spirits, trying to kind of force people to, move, to leave their homes. And some are obviously leaving um, and going to the south of Gaza. Others are not. Uh, but the majority of voices are of determination of not leaving Gaza. Uh, the mm-hmm. mass majority of Gaza's population are refugees. They're not from Gaza, and so the kind of the voice, the there's been kind of a saying of people saying, "We die in Gaza, and mm-hmm. we don't go to Sinai. We will not be made mm-hmm. refugees again." And so that's a context of kind of uh, that a lot of people have talked about it as a as a second neck bit unfolding. And in the rest, and it's not like uh, Israel's uh, settler colonial project in the rest of Palestine is is halted in any in any way. Yesterday, in the West Bank, the Israeli military is conducting daily raids. Yesterday, they bombed they bombed the Jenin camp. Uh, before that, it was camps around Nablus. Uh, settlers are roaming around. I mean, the whole of Israeli society is a settler society, but the settlers in the West Bank are being given yeah. being handed out arms and f-16s to kind of kind of they 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 were acting with impunity um before but now it's even it's even more uh more the case and it is similarly also the Case in 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 Palestine in Palestine forty eight the Israeli police volunteers that used to not be armed before are now all been handed arms Israeli Israeli citizens regular citizens who've uh, done national service which can be like a volunteering in a shelter in an elderly people's shelter means that you know you have an easier way of now uh, getting your hands on on a on an automatic weapon or a gun or so on and there's. Kind of an ease and facilitation of people's is normal everyday Israeli settlers' kind of access access to arms, and at the same time the kind of the internal security services is really uh, clamping down on any form of not only solidarity with Gaza but rejection to Israel's genocidal project. In, uh, in in Gaza, so students are being uh, summoned to disciplinary to disciplinary some are being expelled some workers are being expelled from their jobs for any form of expression of even saying stop the genocide in Gaza" or put in a you know tweeting uh, a verse from the quran or whatever it is the kind of the they're uh they're facing repercussion for that so they're trying to like really kind of foster an environment of fear amongst Palestinians in forty eight, in order f- to kind of uh, prevent any form of resistance there, in whatever for shape or form that may take, be it demonstrations, be it strikes, be it whatever, uh, whatever it is, it's the settler colonial murder machine on steroids, <laughs> yeah. on steroids, and it's um, it feels and it actively is the the infrastructure of the colonial project doing what it always wanted to do, right? And, and what it has in its DNA to do just to ethnically cleanse, dispossess and dispossess Palestinians. The, the scale is quite large. And I think the scale of international complicity isn't surprising, although it is. <laughs> it isn't surprising to know and to, it isn't kind of a new... Uh, it isn't new to kind of and and it's it isn't a new understanding of where Israel sits within kind of global imperialism and the fact that once that the the settler colonial project becomes um, there's a threat on it that then all imperial forces kind of join together and come in its protection. That's not it isn't surprising and it isn't th- surprising theoretically, um, but it actually is it is crushing to live through it um and so i think even though the the way that the us is acting or the global impunity the the green the the kind of the the brightness of the green light that israel is being given isn't kind of a something that has emerged out of a sudden that is has long been the reality of this project but the scale of it is quite quite you know it is quite crushing and in the sense of that it also comes and it's enmeshed in this very stark and clear um, normalization of anti-Palestinianness and Palestinian racism on a mass on a mass scale that even for all of us who are very aware of it and living it and feeling it, the magnitude of it, it is kind of is heavy in and mm. on on its own.
1: Um, <laughs> I think. Yeah. I mean, I think for us here, and Alice, you can jump in as well, but it's. It's what you mentioned there. It's the scale of it is so truly shocking. It's, a, you know, people just live, don't we, with this sort of idea that our governments are basically good people that are here to, you know, defend freedom and justice. And here we have such a clear case of all of that being torn apart. And I think that is why we're seeing once again, and I think it's been surprising even to those of us in the left who've been around the Palestine sort of course, for for decades on and off, you know, um, and remember marching against the Iraq war. I think we were surprised at the scale of the protests and that they are growing and that they are becoming more angry to the point that Suella Braverman, our Home Secretary, has today said that she believes all of these demonstrations are hate demonstrations. So, again, what you're talking about, the clampdown on any kind of pro-Palestinian voice as being anti-Semitic. And we know that door was opened with the IHRC definition being approved and accepted, but that's here as well. But I think it is truly shocking, but it's really heartening in some ways. I know it's, it's it's watching the barbarism unfold on our screens is not only surreal, but so horrific, it's traumatising. But to say you see that there's still resistance because i guess what else is there what else is the is the path uh, apart from to resist so i wanted to ask you something which i don't think perhaps gets picked up on enough here in the west if you go back to the iraq war or the afghanistan the uh, war the role of women 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 were put out there by the west as the victims that had to be saved uh that they needed to be rescued from the taliban uh you know unveiled literally uh, by force, sometimes on, on the streets of, of Western Europe and the States. And that that, that was the sort of uh, the, the cause of just, if you like, of, of, of that intervention. We're not hearing anything about women in Palestine. We're not hearing about anything about the children, really, probably because we know that half of those that have been killed are children. I mean, it's horrific. So the scenes that we see of women are of devastated, crushed women a lot of the time, even in the memes that are shared. Um, that sort of woman holding a, a child in her arms, injured, even dead, is is is, is becoming the sort of image. But we know, and I'm sure you know, Raya, women have been key to the resistance, and giving them some agency back, I think, is important. So, what do you see, and have you seen, as the role of like women
2: in in the resistance? There's a long history of Palestinian women in in kind of frameworks of of resistance in various ways. It's hard to talk about that in a way at the moment because the image that I have in my head is a woman in Gaza now having to grieve her everything that she's had. Um, And hearing some stories, I mean, women are having to take contraception pills in order to not get their periods because there is no way to deal with your period in this current situation in Ghazi. There's no sanitation, there's no water. There's a heavy role that women have play from kind of care and taking care of their families in in these situations, but also kind of raising generations of Palestinian generation after generation, um, and a lot of the time, you know, kind of like the single parenting. <laughs> There's quite a lot of single parenting in Palestine. There isn't kind of a conventional single parenting if we think about it in the, in that way. But I, I I find it difficult to kind of separate this question of kind of where do women sit in this question of struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think. It, um, women are involved in, in building community care, women are involved in caring for each other, for how sustaining society and sustaining communities, um, women that uh, bring up children of other women who've been killed and other families, orphans, if we think of, you know, um, uh, breastfeeding as a communal, as a as question of care, um so i think it's often we think about these questions of resistance as like just kind of carrying banners and going on the streets and but there's there's a lot that takes to keep a people alive <laughs> and um it's always something that is, is sidelined when we're talking about political struggle but it's, yeah. it's it's so central to the question of how do we resist and how do we can re- create community community resilience um, an ability to, to to sustain a collective and a meaning of a collective because that's the the core and that's the essence of how do you nurture that feeling and that commitment to freedom and justice, right? If you if you don't have that sense of a collective sense of, of, of your right, then that kind of goes away.
1: Yeah sustaining life as an act of resistance really at the at the moment and we should I think it's up to us on the left to make sure that that's brought into the discussion because it is so often left out and recognizing that that key day-to-day activity of just sustaining life itself
0: well it just makes me think as well particularly its importance in the face of a genocidal regime integral uh, in the face of a genocidal regime Uh, absolutely yeah i don't know i have to say just take a moment like it just Sits with me very heavily what you just said there. I think because I'm just on a breastfeeding journey at the moment, and it's like mm-hmm. that thought. I know the connection through breastfeeding, and then you know, and and actually, you, what you were saying about community of of for other children that have lost maybe their parents or their mother, and then breastfeeding another person's child and that idea of solidarity in that sense as well. And I just wanted to take a moment to say like it just really, really landed with me. And I think as moving to the international complicity again and around maybe more of like the kind of structures and that is supporting the suppression and supporting Israel. I know you've done a lot of work through another organization that used to work with whoprofits.org. Everybody listening, if you want to have a check it out, the website it's does incredible work just if we're breaking down in terms of kind of links to the question around what we can be doing as well because obviously these are multinational corporations as well as the political backing there's uh i'm going to leonardo on uh thursday morning with my baby <laughs> to pick it um if it's anybody a, a uh, local defense uh company for people local, that don't sorry, know, yeah, in, local, in, in edinburgh not an individual called leonardo um leonardo, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry leonardo's out there not you you just your name's <laughs> been hung by uh, an international Head arms company anyway um if you could just speak, speak to just you know the the companies out there that we can be targeting as well um and for people listening
2: Israel is able to to do what it does because of it is sustained politically diplomatically, but also because it has the military power that it it does have and it has the weapons that it that it does have. And these weapons, a lot of them are manufactured locally, but a lot of them are actually manufactured internationally even the big Israeli suppliers of arms, the Israeli military, a lot of them have manufacturing bases internationally. The nature of the international arms trade is that it's international and is that it's global. There is no country that can arm itself on its own. That doesn't exist. That's not the nature of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, it is every the, the the planes that Israel is using to b- drop bombs on Gaza, the F-35 and the F-16. They are produced by an American company. They're sold to Israel by Lockheed Martin. But it's a lot of company, bits of, of that plane are produced Produced in various different factories by different companies in the UK, for example. So Leonardo produces bits that then go to the US that then become part of the plane that is sold to, to Israel and the bombs are dropping and Gaza and massacring people. It is Israeli companies such as uh, Elbit System, the Israel's mm-hmm. biggest private arms company, one of the Israeli military's biggest suppliers, that also has factories in the UK, it has factories in the US, and it has factories in other places. And it's not just about the manufacturing element. All of these companies also are integrated into various aspects of our lives. If you're at a university, most probably a project, in at least one (laughs) project in one of your departments, if not more, if not whole work project of your departments, are financed by military companies. Lockheed Martin, Leonardo, BAA system, uh, etc. Academics at your university are doing joint and collaborative projects with companies like Elbit with, with, and with other companies. And so the, 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 the international uh, nature of Israel's military-industrial complex shows the level of complicity, but it also... Um, Gives us inroads, it gives people internationally inroads to work in a way that can uh, restrain Israel's killing machine and killing sprees. So, and this is the reason that Palestinian trade unionists, for example, uh, over 18 trade unions uh, issued a call. As this horror was unfolding and as it became clear the extent of the horror that is going to unfold, and um, we don't know when it's going to end, but they issued a call calling on the international labor movement to act in ways um, to deliver concrete solidarity to Palestinian workers and the Palest and the Palestinian people, and that concrete solidarity at this moment in time, when there's a kind of a a, a, a murder machine unfolding, is to restrain it, is to stop the arms from reaching from reaching to Israel. If we want to say stop the bombs, Israel needs to have no bombs. Israel needs to have no planes to be able to drop these bombs. Israel needs to to have no ammunition and bullets to shoot people and kill them. And these are not all produced locally. Of course, they can produce some of them locally. But the extent of the horror and the violence that Israel can inflict on Palestinians on, on a regular basis. I mean, obviously, now people are aware of what's happening in Gaza because it's so massive and so huge. But actually, we can't just, that's not the starting point. That's just a continuation of a 75-long project that has been um, that has been unfolding. Um, that kind of call from the Palestinian trade union movement on workers internationally to refuse to build arms, to refuse to handle arms, and to work to cut ties wherever they know that they are. Um, with companies that, in one way or another, supply Israel with any form of weapons, um, and that can be also surveillance, that can be research, that can be whatever it is. And the nature of the arms industry is that it's so pervasive; <laughs> it is everywhere. Everywhere you look, it's a bit like petrol and plastic, right? Because mm-hmm. petrol is is in everything, and plastic is everywhere. <laughs> the arms is is very similar in 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 that way, um, and so that gives people um, and workers and trade unionists Mm -hmm. on a global scale the ability to engage in solidarity that isn't semantic, isn't about kind of an emotional support, um, because that's great, but that doesn't save lives. The The campaign to stop arming Israel has been longstanding, but it, it also has been quite difficult to, to sustain it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the inability of the international mov- movement and, and the labor movement as well, and its relationship to Palestine, to kind of think seriously about what it can do has meant that um you know kind of in these moments it's almost you start from you start again right um and the yeah. question is kind of how do you build um and how do you use these moments of horror that are not going to be the end yes. <laughs> um I mean one would hope but sadly they're not and the question and the onus on the left is to think through um how do we use the energy that is created at these moments not just to demand a ceasefire and that's important the bombs need to stop but actually how do we put forward demands that force us as a labor movement and as the left to continue working it's a
1: historic task upon us and uh yeah it there is a, undoubtedly a new movement coming about i was at a meeting just yesterday that had been called from the Saturday Edinburgh demonstration and it had over a hundred people. Many of those people would not have come along to any meeting before, they were young, it was mixed. Mm. Um, And I think how we have to be there to relate to these people is a huge question for us. We don't have that much time left, but I just wanted to ask you, I mean, we're here obviously organizing our protests, our demonstrations, there's people are claiming half a million on Saturday in London and that's not accounting for all the very many around the country. Uh, so who knows how much that would have been in total marching. Um, and obviously, the government's really pushing back uh, on these protests. So again, that's another front of democracy, the right to protest uh, for us here in, in the UK. To what extent are those protests getting through those? Are you getting to receive them? Do you do, do people in in, uh, in Palestine see them? And how important are they to help sustain what you're trying
2: to do? I think it's really, really important to be out on the streets. It's really important to put that pressure. I think it's really important to demand movement uh, on a political level, because that's the scale that things need to shift at, right? Like that's, it's really important not to let go of that. I think one thing is that I think is important to think about is that we not only go out on the street and make those demands, but actually the politicians that don't adhere to it needs to have a consequence. I mean, the the fact that Keir Starmer is saying what he's saying, and I know you guys are based in, in Scotland and the situation is different, yeah. but speaking to kind of the left over there, um, kind of having a conversation, Keir Starmer saying that, But then at the end of the day, after all of this, people are going to be mobilizing and saying, vote Labour, don't vote for Tories. Well, actually, where does that take the question of Palestine and internationalism? How do we think about race um, and racism as a serious question as part of political organizing um, on a a broader scale? And I think that's a question that needs to be um, that, that needs to be that needs to be asked. But I think it's always a challenge between kind of having these big immediate um, uh, demands that seem that are crucial it is really important that there is a ceasefire <laughs> that's not a joke and it's not a sideline and it's not a comma at the end you know in the middle of a mm-hmm. sentence it is critical that the bombs stop falling in Gaza now that's important but i think the question of complicity has to be centralized as well because once we have to kind of centralize the question and 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 the idea and the element of of what unfolds in Palestine is not far away. Mm-hmm. It is really important for people to understand their everyday life is entangled with what happens in Palestine. The ability of people, the ability to kind of free expression, the ability of democratically organizing in your workplace, the ability to march around the streets in safety, these are connected to what happens in Palestine. If we don't understand them as connected, then I think we keep talking about struggles as disjointed. And that is not true internationalism. True internationalism is understanding and figuring out how these areas of struggle and how these kind of intersect intersect with each other and how do we fight in a way that broadens that question. And so I think people are seeing the demos um, uh, and, and they are important, but I think more importantly is what happens beyond the demos. Demos alone, as we saw, didn't stop the war in Iraq, Iraq sadly. Um, and that is important for us to understand a to b demonstrations of kind of feel good demonstrations of going out on the streets and feeling like we're doing something and not staying at home is really important but demos are organizing spaces they can't be the end result you use a demonstration to organize and that's kind of beyond what but people are now, I don't, people in Gaza aren't looking at the screens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they're burying their loved ones and caring for each other. And some of them are hearing about these demonstrations and I'm sure mean a lot. But more needs to happen in terms of concretely breaking the chains of capital and imperial power.
0: Want more like this? Subscribe to Contour Radio on our SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sign up to our regular newsletter. At contour.substack.com and find great articles and more at contour.scott. We really rely on listeners like you to help us grow. In return, you get access to exclusive content and events by joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash contourscott.